It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It felt like the BYU football program was on their way to their sixth win of the season. They were up three scores at halftime on Oklahoma State in Stillwater. And then somehow, someway, BYU snatches defeat from the jaws of victory. We're talking about it on Postcast. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome on into Postcast. I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars and your resident BYU insider. Of course, uh, we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And a big thank you to all of you for making it your first listen of the day. And more importantly, thank you to the hundreds, if not thousands, of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, uh, this is a Postcast edition as BYU loses in double overtime to the Oklahoma State Cowboys, 40-34. to The loss sends BYU into their offseason. They will not play in the postseason this year. Just the second time they will not go bowling in the last 19 years. Only other time they have done that is 2017 in that 4-9 debacle in Kalani Sitake's second season at the helm of the BYU offense. And I'm not going to lie, uh, this is always a weird postcast to do after the end of each season as you kind of reflect on what was. But let's focus on Oklahoma State in particular here. We'll have more time in future editions of the podcast to essentially put the entire season to bed. We'll spend essentially this next week leading up to the kickoff of the month of December uh, talking essentially about a post-mortem of the 2023 BYU football season. But BYU finishes the year 5-7. and seven. They finish the year on a five-game losing streak. Nobody's going to feel good about that, nor should they. Yours truly and you guys out there watching and or listening to this should not feel good about the way BYU ended this season. Now, can you take away that BYU was far more competitive in their final two regular season games against nationally ranked teams in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? and say, okay, they never quit. They hung tough. Yes, you can say that, but where was that effort against the likes of Iowa State and West Virginia? Had BYU put forth that type of effort seemingly week in and week out, I don't think that they would have been necessarily on a five-game losing streak to end of the season. This is going to be a big, big learning curve and I guess a lesson learned for the BYU football program. At the Power 5 level, you have to bring it every week. You've got to suck it up. You've got to do whatever you got to do to be ready because if you don't, if you show up thinking you can put in a half-hearted effort and it's enough, it's not good enough at this level. It will get you blown away. BYU put in a good effort against Oklahoma State, but for about half of the game. The second half, BYU, whatever was working in the first half, they went right away from it. BYU felt like they were playing and coaching not to lose versus coaching and playing to win this game against Oklahoma State. It's disappointing. It harkens back. Remember, there's some of the major criticisms late in Bronco Mendenhall's tenure at BYU is that BYU would get a lead in the first half, especially uh, with their offense rolling under Robert and I, and then they essentially would go into like prevent offense mode. That was the big terminology that we like to use back then, and I've always said this. Playing prevent offense and or defense is going to prevent you from winning football games. You've got to keep your uh, uh, pedal to the metal. You've got to put that accelerator down and continue to stay in this game. BYU came out of the locker room and their first six series of the second half mustered just 56 yards, if my math is correct. 
absolutely atrocious. BYU had piled up 202 yards. They had gashed Oklahoma State in the first half of that game. They had piled up a 24-6 lead over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. They led by three scores in this game, and I'm not sure I've ever felt a three-score lead ever feel, feel so shaky for BYU as I did at halftime of this game. I take no pleasure in uh, ripping into BYU, but what in the world was the play calling on both sides of the football in the second half of that game? Like I said, it was coaching not to lose. It was playing not to lose. They were playing scared. They were playing conservative. You cannot do those things if you want to win football games. I don't know why BYU, they get to a fourth and one. They go up and try and line up and maybe expect to run a play. Then they call timeout thinking about it, and Kalani Sitake sends his punt team out. Now, I understand that BYU was on their own third 35-yard line, but it's one yard. And that one yard maybe was the key difference between you potentially winning that football game and losing it. What do you do? You punt it away. Oklahoma State go down, goes down and scores. You get the ball back. And to Jake Retzloff's credit, he got BYU and maneuvered him 44 yards into position for Will Farron to step up in a major, major spot to make a big kick to send this game to overtime. In overtime, BYU manufactures enough offense on the first series, gets a touchdown. Oklahoma State matches it. And then in the second overtime, series. Ollie Gordon, just man amongst boys out there, gets his fifth touchdown of the game to give Oklahoma State the lead. And then Isaac Rex. I'm I'm not putting this loss on anything on Isaac Rex. He's trying to make a play, and it's just unfortunate. The defensive back, the defensive player, rips that ball out, recovers it before Isaac Rex's knee and or helmet hits the ground. That's ball game. That's the season. It's that close for BYU. In many ways, this game overall, the the first half, a good start. The second half, uh, not great. Kind of a choke job in the second half for BYU. And then just not having enough in the in the end to grind out a result. It's kind of the epitome and the, the uh, just overall dichotomy of what BYU season has been. Remember, this was a football program that started the season 4-1. and one, A hot start. A really, really nice start before their bye week. They come out of that bye week all refreshed and get absolutely obliterated at TCU. And from there, it just kind of spiraled, it felt like, outside of the Texas Tech game for BYU. Like I said, this... This game against Oklahoma State was the microcosm, was essentially the breakdown of exactly what BYU season entailed this year. Uh, now, when it comes to what the future is for BYU, I think the 5-7 and seven in some ways is actually a very good thing for BYU. And that may sound like an oxymoron. I'll try to explain and make sense of that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our friends over at UCCU. They're the Learn and Earn feature. It's part of the UCCU mobile banking app. It is paying your entire family to learn about money, my friends. Kids look to parents to become financially literate. Literate, excuse me. Parents don't always have those answers, and they want to be smarter about it. Well, that's where Learn and Earn comes in. It breaks down financial topics like into fun, bite-sized educational games featuring quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points and can accrue and redeem for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, and Nike, as well as many, many more. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family who can compete against one another and track progress on leaderboards as well. Learn and Earn is available inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so you can play it anytime, anywhere. And of course, the more you play, the more you learn. And the more you learn, the more you earn. Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together, my friends. Simple as that. It's all courtesy of UCCU. Love where you bank. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. 
See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Hope you guys are all doing well. Uh, postcast rolling on here. Now, I, I said that I felt like BYU finishing 5-7 and seven was a good thing. The reason I say that is because it is going to spur change inside the BYU football program. What I mean by that is I expect that there will be assistant coaches let go and or uh, announcing they are resigning their positions with BYU. I think that Daryl Funk is on his way out. I could see guys maybe like a, a Harvey Unga also uh, being a sacrificial lamb uh, in, in a way to uh, get a little bit of an influx of new blood onto the offensive coaching staff. Do I think that Aaron Roderick's job is in danger? No, I don't think so. Unless Kalani Sitake thinks he's got a home run hire in his back pocket that he's absolutely 100% sure of. I don't see Aaron Roderick uh, getting the heave-ho this time unless he decides to leave of his own volition. We'll see what happens, but I do expect change on this coaching staff. In some ways, I feel like had BYU ground out a win, found a way to get to 6-6, six and six, in some ways it could have pointed to the fact, hey, we played the toughest schedule in BYU football history and we still got to a bowl game. That's pretty darn good. We got well, The program's in a good spot. Any of us who watch those games understand that not everything's in a good spot for BYU right now. They're lacking on the money front. They have opened up the, the checkbook to a degree. They hired Jay Hill. They're paying Jay Hill more than a million dollars to be a, a coordinator at BYU, something I never thought in a million years BYU would do. Guess what? That checkbook has got to be open, and it's got to be open wide. BYU needs to hire all kinds of staff members. If I'm not mistaken, BYU is still rolling in their personnel department, speaking particularly of recruiting, essentially with three full-time staffers as well as a bunch of uh, uh, part-time student employees. There are programs at the G5 level, you have to look just two hours up the road in Logan at Utah State that have double that, if not more than that, full-time staffers in the recruiting department. BYU cannot afford to get by with less in this era of BYU football. You will have Power 5 money coming in to the coffers for BYU. Open that checkbook, start spending it, and start investing in this football program. 5-7 and seven should spur change at BYU, and one of those is investment in this football program. It is going to spur change with change on this coaching staff that absolutely needs to be revisited by Kalani Sitake across the board. If he feels like uh, coaches are not up to snuff in his department, he needs to make changes. Like I said, I think that Daryl Funk's days are numbered and B- numbered at BYU, and that change could come very, very quickly. The other thing about this is, is BYU has no bowl game to focus on now. They have nothing other than to go out and recruit their absolute you-know-what's off out here. BYU learned something in this 10-game run of Power 5 football, that depth is at an absolute premium at the Power 5 level. BYU did not have adequate depth. I don't think any of us thought that they had adequate depth, but they went out there and battled as good as they could with the talent at their disposal. It's not enough. They have got to get after it in high school recruiting. they got to get after it on transfer portal. they got to get after it in the junior college. they got to go across the board and find as much talent as they possibly can coming into this football program. Let me also say this. I want BYU to go all in on a youth movement. And what I mean by that is the fifth and sixth year guys who have been around have been uh, just loyal soldiers for the BYU football program, have rallied to the cause time after time, and have been putting their heart and soul into this program. 
it's time to move on. It's time to cut some of that dead weight. It may not some, maybe a lot of dead weight. And it's not necessarily saying that all of them are dead weight, but just tell them, thank you for your contributions, but we've got to try something different. The other thing about this is in the transfer portal for BYU, no more one-year rentals. This is a program, speaking of Brigham Young University, that needs to build itself from the ground up. That means you need to have guys, if you're going to bring them in via the transfer portal, they've got to have multiple years of eligibility remaining. They've got to be able to come in and grow with this football program. This is a program that needs to set its roots once again in being a developmental program. This is not a program that can afford to go out and change out one for one in the transfer portal every single year and expect to have continuity in this football program. The base level for BYU, in my opinion, should be to essentially uh, turn this roster over and turn it over to the Young Bucks. Is that going to cause some absolute growing pains in 2024, 2025, maybe even 2026? Absolutely. But if you can show Cougar fans that you are trying something different because they tried to go all in with the quote-unquote super seniors, the one-year rentals in the transfer portal this year, and what did it yield? A 5-7 and seven record, an up-and-down performance seemingly weekly for the BYU football program, and no real consistency or continuity. I want to see what BYU can do getting back to their roots as a developmental program. Bring in guys. Work on their game. Let them grow with this football program. That's what really the the most success that BYU has had in the eight years of the Kalani Satake era was that group essentially that came in at the tail end of the, they essentially were the group that came in the 2017 recruiting class and grew up alongside one another. Zach Wilson, Brady Christensen's of the world. You go on through that list. The Braden Elbakris, the Kairos Tongas. Think of all those guys and the struggles they had in those 2018, 2019 years that paid off in 2020, even 2021 to a degree. BYU needs to get back to doing more of that. And is it going to be easy? Is it going to be pretty? Is it going to be is it going to be overnight success? Absolutely not. It will have its struggles. BYU very easily could regress from 5-7 and seven next year if they push the chips in on this type of a movement. But... Speaking for myself, that's what I want to see BYU do. Get to back to being a developmental football program. If you are going to use the transfer portal as you should, use it to bring in guys, like I said, who can grow with this football program. No one-year rentals. In very rare cases, if they're like a, a, a no-doubt potential NFL guy, sure, gamble on that. But I'm telling you that from my my perch, watching these BYU football games, they've got to go all in on the transfer portal being a part of the roster, but not the baseline. They've got to look at the high school ranks, bring in guys who've got four and five years potentially in this football program, and let them be the, the backbone of the Cougar football program. It, it, just, it feels like BYU trying to uh, trade one for one every single year with the roster. It's just not tenable, especially in the case that BYU has itself with regards to its recruiting restrictions, the honor code, the academics, that type of stuff. Other thing, BYU needs investment in NIL. I don't care uh, where you guys invest it, whether it's with Coug Connect, whether it's the Royal Blue Collective, invest some money in NIL if you have the means to do so. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm encouraging you to do so. Money talks in this day and age. We have gone from the farce that was amateurism with college football to a full-blown professional league. It is pay-for-play. I don't care what they want to couch like. Well, they're they're just getting the sponsorship deal. No, it's pay-for-play. If BYU wants to compete, you got to be able to bring the the, the money to the conversation, to the t- to the table, and say, this is what we've got for you. This is the bag we got. I know that Kalani Sitake said in his post-game press conference that he wants guys who are bought in at BYU. Great. 
do that. Cut off, cut out the guys who don't want to be there. Maybe they're just there to get a check. Sure, that's great. But you still got to understand that NIL is part of the calculus here for BYU, and it's going to be part of it until it is uh, regulated at some level, whether it's by the federal government, the NCAA gets a backbone and does something, or if uh, the Power Five does finally pull away from the NCAA and starts regulating it, it, it itself. So, you got to get into the game. I know that BYU wants to be this uh, program that is altruistic and they want to be on top of things. You got to cash is king, folks. Money talks, and BYU's got to be in on that. So, you as the lay fan, what can you do? You can contribute to NIL funds. There are two particular ones that I am aware of uh, that I would encourage you to consider donating to. The Royal Blue Collective uh, is obviously the endorsed collective by BYU, but at the same time, Coog Connect has been around and they have some staying power as well. Jake Brandon and those guys over at Coog Connect are doing their thing as well. They're offering up insider information, and I think it's the is it ten bucks a month if I'm not mistaken is the baseline to get in on that. If you can essentially, you're spending ten bucks on a lunch these days as it is with inflation and everything wreaking havoc on all of our lives. That's the way you can, as a, as the lay fan, as the Joe Blow fan of BYU who wants to help out the Cougars, invest in NIL to any degree that you possibly can. Every dollar goes uh, toward, uh, I can't say every dollar, but a significant portion, I think upwards of like 70 or 80% of those dollars go towards BYU athletes. And like I said, NIL is a big part of this. So there's there is a lot of work for BYU, and I think five and seven is going to spur quite a bit of change instead of six and six and just six and six would have essentially allowed BYU to see we made a bowl game. We 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 were first year in power five and we made it to a bowl game. I think five and seven, it's a failure in, in most people's eyes. I think Kalani Sitake in his heart of hearts considers this season to be a failure. I consider it to be a failure. You finished the season on a five-game losing streak. You lost six of seven in the final uh, back half of this schedule. It's not good enough for BYU. And I think all of the glaring deficiencies were laid bare throughout that long, arduous, like I said, losing streak for BYU. And there's a lot of work to be done. And the hope is that BYU can find some answers and obviously get a, a talent influx to help address those on the football. Football field, but at the same time, have the the cash and the I guess the overall resources behind them on the on the back end uh, to help BYU do their thing. Am I expecting better days for BYU in the future? Yes, I am, but it's not going to come without some growing pains. And maybe, just maybe, five and seven will spur some of those changes. All right, we will roll through some of your comments here that we threw out on social media as well as we finish out this edition of Locked On Cougars. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our friends over at Perry Homes. Now, Perry Homes is want to help you guys out uh, no matter what situation you find yourself in with regards to your housing situation. Whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you, my friends. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. they got many communities, home designs, and price points, all with you, the consumer, in mind. They have beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. The best part is they also got multiple communities in southern Utah, uh, in Washington County, near St. George as well. So no matter where you want to live, they've got options for you guys. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories of townhomes as well. And the best part is they are offering generous financing incentives to their preferred lender right now as well. So get on it today and visit Perry Homes Utah to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Thank you once again for making Lockdown Cougars a part of your day. Thank you for making it your first listen of the day. Uh, and also a big thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. All right, let's share the screen. Uh, you guys will be able to see uh, what I am seeing on Twitter here uh, on Lockdown Cougars on our Twitter feed. We threw it out at the end of the game. Uh, wanted you guys to be able to uh, hear, and I guess we'll see, uh, what BYU fans had to say. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'll also uh, read them uh, for those of you who happen to be listening to this on uh, the regular podcast feed. But all right, first comment comes in. So we have uh, just about the game. Uh, good friend uh, Steven at Magbit says, the second half we took our foot off the gas and played not to lose, which caused us to lose, comma, again. I hate that weak decision. Also, I'm not really sure Retzloff is the guy next year. Jake Retzloff, there is still a lot to be desired. There's no doubt about that. I, I'm fairly certain, I'm like 99.9% confident in saying that BYU will add a transfer portal quarterback. I hope it's a quarterback who's got multiple years that can come in and compete for the job, maybe outright win the job and be uh, BYU's option moving forward because Jake Retzloff he leaves a lot to be desired it's just a lot of inconsistent play in his four starts for BYU uh, our good friend irrational BYU fan Paris underscore Preston says uh, changes need to be made our offense has plenty of talent but zero ability to use any of it no excuses changes uh, I do think changes are coming Will Shakespeare shaking his spear says terrible play calling in the second half a couple of questionable penalties but in the end we speaking of BYU just couldn't get it done Sataki should get one more season to figure this out but if there's not improvement next year. We need to look elsewhere. Here's the thing, though. I will. I, I'm just going to speak on this re- with regards to Kalani Sitake. Who are the realistic options to replace him? Jay Hill, who's on his staff right now. Uh, is it uh, Morgan Skelly at the University of Utah? There, there's not a lot of head coaching candidates that are card-carrying members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When I'm even card-carrying is a Temple Recommend holder uh, for BYU. I just That's the only question I have about being too hasty in potentially throwing Kalani Sitake out to the curb. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Coog Forever at Mateo36BYU says, No killer instinct to put the game away. I completely agree. BYU is lacking in the stick your foot on the neck of the opponent and win the game. I agree with that. Lots of changes needed in the offseason with recruiting and the offense. I, I think I covered a little bit of that earlier, but uh, Mateo, uh, thank you for that. Uh, Jeff Henor, our good friend down there, now living in Tampa. Jeff says, we played too safe on offense in the second half until it was too late. I agree. BYU went ultra conservative mode, playing not to lose. You are going to lose. I, I said it on Twitter. You play prevent offense, what does it do? It prevents you from winning football games. They should have kept the, the pedal down. I don't know what they were thinking in that second half. Alright, uh, let's see. Continuing on here. YouTube Blue at SC Price UTP says absolutely had a chance coming out of the second half to finish them off. Instead, the play calling went very vanilla and played not to lose. Agreed. Matt Stoddard. Okay State isn't too good to give up after a few haymakers. Good teams can weather that storm and fight back. And by the way, Oklahoma State had every motivation to fight back. They had the Big 12 championship game berth on the line. There was no doubt they were going to battle back. Uh, Matt continues. I'm very proud that the team played with heart these last two games instead of packing it in. I agree with that. BYU did not quit on the season. They very easily could have rolled over and played dead. That was good to see that. I agree with that. Jake, speaking of Jake Ratzloff, has to improve like crazy, and we need to add depth to several positions. Agreed, 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 Matt. That was a really, really good take on your part. 
Alex Long. The lack of trust in the QB to make a throw in the second half was the turning point. BYU is praying for the clock to tick faster. You're dead on, Alex. You and I are of the same mind there. Uh, let's see. Bryce on BYU Podcast. A bummer that we couldn't see this. Uh, couldn't be more this competitive more quickly and has six wins quicker. However, I'm still riding high from the soccer comeback last night. By the way, a uh, Big ups to BYU Women's Soccer. They had their holiday moment. Let me just stop for a minute here and talk about that. BYU found themselves trailing North Carolina, who has 20 national titles under their belt. 3 nothing. not even 15 minutes into that match at Southfield last night. I remember seeing the score. I was filling in on our afternoon show on the KSL Sports Zone. I'm like, holy smokes, they are, they are out of this. Like North Carolina is running roughshod. What does BYU do in the second half with about, I think it was like 29 minutes to go in? So it's getting late in this contest. Similar circumstance to the Holiday Bowl, for those of you who remember it, in 1980 with Jim McMahon. Now, it was only three minutes left in that football game. This was 29 minutes left to go in the soccer match. But I even know how soccer operates. You can you can run a lot more clock in soccer than you can in football, it feels like, in certain circumstances. But BYU just starts pummeling and starts just driving forward. And they get four goals, four unanswered goals capped by Olivia Wade Katoa's just absolute rocket to the far post off of her left foot if he switches direction. Fantastic comeback for BYU Women's Soccer. That was awesome. Any of you who watched that soccer match, uh, if you didn't, even if you're not a soccer fan, go find it on BYU TV, ESPN+, Plus, wherever they might have it, and watch that soccer match. That was incredible. Incredible uh, effort from the BYU Women's Soccer Program. It's a really, really good point uh, made by Bryce here. The other thing about this, BYU Men's Basketball. They won their first MTE event title since 2010 by beating North Carolina State, and they came from 12 down in that game to win that one. So, yes, the football game absolutely is going to stick in people's craw, but good things are happening for other BYU sports. I am fully expecting BYU men's basketball to be ranked on Monday when the new AP poll comes out. They're 6-0. and They're going to roll into a matchup uh, probably a week from uh, it's actually two weeks, just less, less than two weeks now, uh, from heading up to uh, Utah, which is their only true road game in the non-conference slate. There's a very good chance if BYU beats Utah in the Huntsman Center, BYU could be what? 13-0 and 0 when conference play begins, how high in the rankings would they uh, climb in that? Now, I am withholding some judgment on BYU basketball until Big 12 play does begin, but it's been a really, really solid start for Mark Pope's squad. They feel like kind of the antithesis of this BYU football program right now. They play for each other. They, they're in it uh, for each other. They're just absolutely grinding together. That's something I don't think we can say about BYU football here. All right, um... Other comments here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Greg Romano. I had decent expectations during the offseason, but lowered my expectations when I noticed the line troubles and a lack of running game during the first game. Kalani uh, runs a loose ship with no apparent accountability. Coaching changes. Kalani, Funk, and A-Rod are needed. You're going to be disappointed, Greg. I only see one of those three happening, and that's Funk. I, I don't see Kalani and A-Rod going anywhere unless they, of their own uh, desires, uh, leave BYU. I don't see BYU making a change. That's my personal opinion on the matter. Uh, Jake War, what a joke. Hopefully, hope BYU makes some changes this offseason. There's going to be changes. I think that 5-7 and seven is absolutely going to spur more changes than going 6-6 six and six would have. I, I'm... I'm I, I, that's just my personal gut feeling on that. I think the BYU realizes, you know what? It wasn't good enough. Got to change something else. You got to fix something. I'm just scrolling through these. I apologize I'm not getting to all your comments here, but there's a bunch of them. Uh, let's see. Jimmy Dubb at Cougar Jimmy says, BYU needs to hit the transfer portal and get a QB. Retzloff is not the guy. He's a monothreat quarterback. He can run, but he cannot throw. The ball wasn't slippery. He doesn't need time to develop. He's just not the guy. He doesn't have that it factor. They need a P5 caliber winner now. 
What I think we learned about BYU's need for a quarterback is they need a true dual-threat quarterback. Now, those are not grown on trees every day. We all know this. But Aaron Roderick, his belief that he could work this offense with both uh, Keaton Slovis and Jake Retzloff appears to have been foolhardy, uh, looking back on it right now. Is that, could I change my mind on that? Yeah, I always reserve my right to change my mind on it. But I think that we have learned that Aaron Roderick's best option with an offense is to have a high-level dual-threat quarterback at the helm of his offense. Without it, it really grinds to a halt. It's it's a struggle for BYU. Good friend Nick Lee, a good friend of the program, says, changes need to happen at BYU, so I hope there's lots of turnover. This team is soft and unprepared for Big 12 conference play. They went 3-7 against Power 5 opposition this year, folks. That's not a good mark. They've got to improve. They do need to turn over this roster. They've got to find more depth. But like I said, I'm all in on a youth move. I am all in on saying, you know what, we're playing the young guys. We're going to give them a shot and build them via this process, and they can build this program. Uh, It's the way I would go about it. Now, I'm not making the ultimate call in terms of being at BYU because I'm an armchair analyst at the very best here on this podcast, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, BYU NLV fan, our good friend running rep D. Humes. I knew at halftime they'd go conservative on offense and end up getting beat just like the Utah game a few years ago. It's like the tide, inevitable. They did. They did. They absolutely uh, went vanilla on offense, went uh, essentially to prevent mode, and it cost them big time. It cost them dearly in this game. It's unfortunate. Uh, let's see. Wild Turkey Fartblown, a good friend Ryan Van Wagen at VWAG23. This entire offense can't return. You can't bring in two QBs and not have the OC be able to trust either. It's a good point. It's a very, very good point there from a good friend Ryan. Uh, let's see. Other thoughts here. I'm rolling through this. Jordan Kennard, something changed at halftime with the offense. We, speaking of BYU, played in the first half with nothing to lose, making risky calls to win the game. Yeah, fake punt. That was absolutely awesome. They ran an onside kick that unfortunately was about a yard away from really working. Uh, the second half play calling for the offense was to, to not lose the lead. Proud of the team, but disappointed in the second half play calling. It felt like BYU really unloaded the clip, to use that quote, in the first half. And essentially, they were out of bullets in the second half. I, I completely agree with that. They need to find a way to compete for a full 60 minutes uh, for BYU. It's, it's really, really tough. All right, other other thoughts here. Uh, BYU for the W, our good friend BYU Insider. Fire offensive staff. Find a QB because BYU doesn't have one. Uh, you're not going to fire the entire offense st- offensive staff, I-, I think, BYU Insider, but they do need to find a quarterback. They absolutely do. you got to find an option there. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I just... I look at this and I just wonder, okay, that's actually a really good point right there by Neo, just Neoman47. I think it would be great to cover players most likely to leave and most likely to stay. I'll probably do that. I'll be using that probably for our Monday or Tuesday edition of the podcast, Neo, so stay tuned for that. I'm going to go through that list and kind of give you my gut feeling on who's leaving, who's uh, staying, and we'll get to that, uh, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to give the final word to Tanner Plummer. Tanner is a notorious... Um, uh, listener of ours. Tanner loves to point out the negative, and I, I, I give him credit. More often than not, he's got a very good point to be made here. This is an interesting take from Tanner here. Tanner says this, proud of the effort. This team has a lot of promise for next year. That said, this team has a lot to fix this upcoming offseason. Hope they can do it. Tanner, you're getting the final word because, yes, there is promise because BYU did compete with two nationally ranked teams in the final two games of the season. Did they come up short both times? Absolutely. Did they yak away a a three-score lead against one of them on the road? Yes, they did. But they hung tough in those games. That is something you can obviously build on if you're BYU. Now, moral victories, it's it's kind of a foolhardy thing to talk about, but here's the thing. Uh, It's what you have to look at right now when it comes to the end of the BYU football season. So, 
it's disappointing. It's it's kind of like I said. It's it's a really really weird time whenever I get these postcasts at the end of the season and uh, try and think about everything we just went through for the last thirteen weeks. It feels like it's just been an absolute sprint uh, through more than three or four months of the calendar year, but. Uh, it's at an end, and it's crazy to think that BYU will not go bullying, like I said, for just the second time in 19 seasons, but there is no excuse for BYU now. Hit the recruiting trail. The coaches have no excuse to, but other than to get out on the road and lock down as much talent as they possibly can because that early signing window is coming up in the midway point of December, and you've got to put together a good recruiting class. You've got to find talent. you got to get guys in this football program uh, that can build with BYU. Like I said, go all in on that youth movement. I am all in favor of that. If you disagree, I'd love to hear your comments on it. Drop it in the YouTube comments below or tweet at us. Send us a note on Facebook or Instagram, Locked On Cougars, or drop us an email, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. I will rewatch this game. I'll have my uh, postcast, not my postcast, my uh, film review Monday notes for you guys on our Monday edition of the podcast. And at Neil's uh, request, we'll also look at guys who may or may not be coming back for BYU. And we'll do that as the week progresses throughout the, uh, the rest of this upcoming week for Locked On Cougars. It's going to be the postmortem edition. We usually do this kind of feels like the end of uh, December. We're doing it at the end of November because BYU misses out on a bowl game going 5-7 and seven on the year. Uh, once again, a big thank you to all of you for your help uh, with this venture. Your guys' comments are invaluable to what we're doing here. It's a privilege to do what I do. I can't do it without you guys. And thank you uh, for your support of the podcast. Once again, thank you for making it your first listen of the day. And thank you, as we always say, for being uh, everydayers with us here on the podcast as well. And until Monday, my friends, have a great rest of your day. This has been Postcast as BYU falls 40-34 to to Oklahoma State and misses going bowling in 2023. More to come, obviously, in an offseason that's uh, bound to be full of change for BYU. We'll have it all covered for you right here on Locked on Cougars. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.